A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax. And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. You're very welcome to Thursday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. I hope you're all keeping well this afternoon and we're going to get straight to business because I can't wait to have a chat with my first guest on the show today. I'd describe him as a darling of the nation. He's our best known hotelier. He's developed a career in television. Uh, if you're in Dunn stores, you'll see his best-selling hotel-inspired luxury lifestyle collection. He's a multiple successful author and his latest book is called Age is Just a Number and with that title well last weekend was very special for Mr Francis Brennan afternoon Francis Hi Jerry. that's a great introduction altogether you've covered all the for me <laughs> I had to cover all the bases quickly, but sure, I could keep going even longer. I had to just uh, have a synopsis there of you. Listen, thank you for joining me on the show. And may I say a belated happy birthday to you. Yeah, yeah. Monday was the big day. Was it? It all came and went with great. I had three birthday parties during the week. I had a family one, a hotel one. And then yesterday we were filming. I'm in Tralee, as I talked to you. We were filming in Tralee for At Your Service for next year. And the builder, I'm on the building site now, right? <laughs> but anyway, I, I kind of thought it about 10 to 5. What are all the builders, like all the lads, the plasters and the painters and whatever else? They were all ha- hanging around downstairs. So what are they all doing down here? And next minute, uh, the lady of the house of the, of the boys that are building this new, the James Hotel, a new hotel in, in uh, Trilly, arrives with a big cake and we have a big party. Honest to God, I couldn't believe it. My photograph on the cake and all, so they went to loads of trouble to get it ready. So it was so nice. But that was my third birthday party this week. I never had it as good. Ah, uh, well done to them. I'm delighted for you because it is a birthday of significance. You enter your eighth decade. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, my best friend said that. He said you're in your eightieth decade. I said less of the eighties now. Mentioned would be better. <laughs> He's 70, folks. Yes, he was 70 on Monday and uh, enjoying the celebration. I want to ask you this to start off. First of all, may I tell you, I thoroughly enjoyed the book. I read it cover to cover and it had a real resonance for me, I have to say, and it will have uh, for those who buy it too. Uh, Are you always happy, upbeat, positive? Yeah, my mother always said that about me before she passed away, that I was always like... I just get on with it. I was always grand. Everything would be fine. No panic. I, 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 and I spent a lot of time in hospital as a child because of, I have a bad leg, as they call it. Um, but I was always, like, delighted. And I remember I spent five months in Kappa, over, back from November to February, one over Christmas and all the rest. And mm. when I left the hospital, I was crying because I loved the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I must have been happy as well so it's, 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 it's just I don't know I don't notice that Jerry because I'm just me mm. I'm just whatever, whatever way I am I am but I would be 
more upbeat and happy than a lot of people. Because but, I look back in life, gratitude, that's really where it comes from, you know. I don't hold any grudges looking back. Yeah. I, you know, we're very lucky as a nation. We, uh, we uh, never had a Moroccan earthquake. We never had a war in Syria. We never had a war in Ukraine. And we've had quite a, uh, a nice lifestyle. And then the biggest thing about Ireland is that probably 90% of us live on the, what I call on the ground. Mm. Not on the sixth fourth floor of a project, um, uh, uh, family building, New York or Toronto, wherever it might be, where they don't get the opportunity to be on the ground. Yes, you know they don't have grass, they don't have gardens, they have nothing. So, like we take all that for granted, but when you look at it, you, you should take it with gratitude rather than just for granted. Mm, interesting, yeah, and I'd say it's in your DNA as well from your parents, and you're predisposed this way as well. But I, I mean that when we see you, you always are upbeat, and it, it's fantastic. You, you, you definitely lift us. And I'll tell you another thing about you, and and, and maybe this is something that ties in with your, your permanent good mood. You dress so well. You're always dapper. Well, I'm a hotelier, okay? And the rig out of a hotelier is a three-piece suit and a tie. So when I haven't got them on, I don't feel happy at all. Mm. If I'm out walking the streets with a sweater and a pair of casual trousers, I'm not happy. I much prefer to be in the shirt and tie as I am talking to you now. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and I've always, I I, I suppose, I kind of like, I always have nice clothes. I did what I did. A good story I have. Like, I've, I've, I've so many ties, it's, it's ridiculous, all right? But I, uh, maybe 10 or 12 years ago, I did a call of my ties, and I pulled out 50 of them, and I brought them downtown to the local um, second-hand shop. Yeah. And three weeks later, I'm coming out, driving out, it was February, I'm driving out the same road going home from Kenmare, and I'm passing, I'm driving along, and I see my Louis Perrault tie. Now, a tie that probably cost... <laughs> five euros or something like not not a cheap tie mm. uh, tying a gate to a field <laughs> 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 the farmer was very clever because he knew there was a silk tie and it doesn't rot it's, it's great <laughs> it'll it last forever and I always it was before and actually it was long, long it was longer than 12 years ago I said because there was no uh, mobile phones because if you had taken a photograph of it I'm yeah. sure Louis in, in, in Paris in his headquarters couture would love it for marketing or something do you know what I mean it would have been great crap because there was a label sticking out Louis Farrell tying the gates to keep the cows in so I, I cover all these oh Francis that's a hell of a yarn all together yeah. but uh, you know you do dress so well but as you say you do dress down at times when you you know you're off camera you're you know at your leisure time or whatever but look you, you, you're sort of stepping back, you know, from your career in the hotel business. You have this TV career, the new book out as well. This book is about, you know, it says uh, age is just a number. And you're, you're, I have to say, you cover it off brilliantly through the book. But what, what about people who are coming to the age, let's say, of retirement or that? What do you say to people when retirement dawns? What's your advice? Okay. If you're in your 60s now and you're retiring at 65, whatever it might be, OK, is it very important that you have the day you retire, you have a life thereafter. It could be a person that has spent 40 years working in an office or in a shop or wherever it might be, and you may have all your um, friends there and not outside that circle. So when you leave the circle, it's hard to be part of, ah, did you hear Johnny got married or did you hear she got engaged and all that talk that goes on when we're in a group in a, in a, in a, a shop or a, um, an office. So you need to be prepared for when you leave the office that you are in things like a book club, a knitting club, uh, you go uh, hill walking with girls, okay, or even as I said earlier today, I was talking to somebody where you could go to ten o'clock mass and you all go for a cup of coffee afterwards. 
which you haven't ever done before. But it is important that you do that type of thing because you can't sit home looking at the four walls. And if you do, a lot of it is to blame on yourself. But the big step is to do it very soon after you um, or before you retire so that you don't have like loads of changes all at the same time that you might know where you're going for the club and all the rest. So there's loads of things. I mean, a badminton club here, we're healthy and well, is, is very, very good. Golf, but, you know, mm. all these things are available. Yes. But it's up to you to make the step. Mm. So, so you have to make... So, so to go from, you know, in a busy job like you were as well, to zero and having nothing is the worst possible scenario. Oh, absolutely. That, that should do your head in. Yeah. You imagine, you know, you don't... First of all, there's a terrible inclination to stay in bed, like mm. at 10 o'clock, which is desperate. Get up and get out quick, mm. because that really does your head in. So, that no, it's important that you are prepared for the day you retire and you know what you're going to do. And and that's what you are doing at this point in time. Um, you know, we talk about dress and dressing. Uh, what about dressing age appropriately? Well, how do you stand on that oh, yeah. one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a lover of the fifth jeans now on a 65-year-old. <laughs> but I've seen it, I think. Right? Yeah. So it's very important. If you want to change, you know, if you want to be like a, a nice dresser or not dress without creating too much, you can do it with colour, mm. you know? get a nice yellow sweater or blue sweater wherever it might be and you look your very best so you'll be, you'll be fine but I think it's important that we don't try and squeeze into the skinny 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 anyway we couldn't squeeze into the skinny 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 jeans because we couldn't bend down that far to get them on our feet to pull them up because it's all these youngsters that are wearing those really skinny jeans nowadays and it's quite an effort to put them on and off yes so that's way I remember a lady talking to Gay Byrne on the radio a hundred years ago right and the ESB or the gas company had put in new meters okay at their front gate of their house. Mm. But the meter was at foot level. And she says, and they have to, you're supposed to read the meter and said the, 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 the meter reads, you know. And she, she was a kid, right? She said to Gabor, ah, stop, Gay. Sure, if I went down that far to read the meter, I'd never get up. <laughs> <laughs> it was right. I told her people can't go down that far. Yes. And she, she said, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. She said, I'll be here till I die and the meter will be running on about well I won't be able to tell them what's on it she said I'll have to get someone to, to read it for me because if I went down I won't get up she said <laughs> My producer Louise is just after whispering into my ear tell Francis talcum powder is the secret talcum oh, yeah. powder and then the the, right. the, the tight jeans or, or the leathers or whatever on anyway uh, yeah. that's from our Louise that's her little bit of advice what about Botox Francis facelifts nip and tuck and dipping the old fleece what about those things are they good things to do as you go on in years listen just be yourself for goodness sake I, I, I have no time for Botox I mean youngsters think they look well I think they look diabolical I think looking at ones with lips that are bigger than the the, 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 whatever it would be, all right? Um, and they, I don't think it's as handsome to them at all, personally, on the lips. I'm not into that. Um, I, and I certainly wouldn't be doing anything. I, I mean, I heard uh, what's called Joan Collins talking on the radio during the week. And she says her secret to her success, because she did say on the radio that she never had any work done. Mm. But she looks fantastic. She's 90 and she looks fantastic. Mm. But she sleeps on her back because then everything goes halfway either way. <laughs> and Nothing like it gets wrinkles like the way I see from my side. So I'd be in an awful state when I'm 90, obviously, if, 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 if it holds true for what she said. But she sleeps on her back because everything is evened out there. There you go. So, so there you are. If you want to help your, your demeanour yeah. and your look, sleep on your back. What's this yeah. thing you mentioned in the book called Ashwagandha? Ashwagandha. Yeah. Well, 
I, I can't remember now exactly what you're first, but I know that, um, what you call it, that uh, people in life go looking for the sort of ashrams out in India. Yes. You know, they're looking for peace and um, whatever it might be and to kind of give them the tranquility and all the rest. Mm. And all I, all I do is take a deep breath and keep going here and it looks fine too. Yes. I don't need to move. And you know, I'm very content in myself. I always have been. I'm always quite content. My family call me plenty of no notice. That's what they say I do. Because <laughs> crisis anywhere, I go, no, oh, so it's a lovely morning, isn't it? Great. And, I think, and it all seems to work out fine in the end. So perhaps maybe the, the system I have works great for me, but it wouldn't work for everybody. Yes. But I think that people you know, that are looking for peace and tranquility in life there's so much of it around. I mean, Ireland is a beautiful country. I've travelled the world and I can tell you, we're very lucky that we live here. And to enjoy what nature has given us, you know, when you see a nice sunrise or sunset or the, the waves on the sea just coming in, like just just enjoy that. Quite simple. It's all around us and it makes, it, it, it'll take your anxiety and control in your head down a bit. Yeah. Um, the the other thing, uh, uh, just to say about the book, you cover off so many aspects of of life when aging as well, and finances are the thing. I see you have Susan Hayes in there. We know her well in this neck of the woods. You know All the right. way, Francis. People, you know, see people are getting along fine, and they have whatever their pension to cover their lives, and maybe have some savings and that, and yet they won't turn on the heat or they won't cook a dinner. You know what I'm getting at? There's no point in leaving a few bars to the next generation. When my father died, and we were a very comfortable family, we did have an awful lot, he left a house fully paid for and £13 in the bank. And I thought, good on you, Dad. There was no stamp duty. There was no capital gains. There was no um, nebbies and nieces having to pay lots of taxes to enter everything. He left £13 and a house. And I thought, he had it bang on. And my, my good friend, who I was talking about earlier on, Frank, he is quite intent on spending every penny, and he's not going to leave anything for anyone. The only thing is, we don't know when you're going to go. That is the only problem. It is. And, and, and none of us actually do. Francis, the listeners have questions for you. First up, they want to know are you going to do another series of that wonderful programme you did abroad? Listen, the whole country is asking me that. Um, no, RTE, like, internally decided there would be no trip this year because of COVID. And, you know, there is a little bit of COVID around. If there was, say, there was, there was about 12 people on the tour and then six backups staff, cameramen and sound, that the 18 people on the bus, if one person gets the COVID, we all have to stay in Guangzhou mm. or wherever we might be for two weeks. So it's too much of a risk. So no, there's no plan for this current year on a travel show. But I mean, it, has, it is very popular. So perhaps next year, although we don't know what's going to happen in RT, but we were talking about this yesterday with programming, you know, because there's yes. no money, God bless them, and we don't know what's going on. I might have to do it on a, on a gratuity basis. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I'm away and I see the guys with the little uh, poles and the flags on them, I think of you, I have to say. And that comes from that wonderful programme you did. There's another one. Somebody wants to know, if you could turn back the clock, Francis, this listener wants to know, what age would you go back to? Um, I was thinking of that the other day too. I'd say in my mind, I'd go back to 48 to 50. Mm. Now, at, at that period, I was working seven days a week, all the time at the hotel. But you know, I love my job. So it's no chore for me to be working, like to be at work at half eight in the morning and be there at 11 o'clock at night. You know, when I go away, I've traveled quite a bit far the hotel. I'd be like in America doing sales calls, calls calling to travel agents and trade shows. And the day like finish at half five, six o'clock, travel agents close. Like to me, that's a half day. The fact that I can go to the theater or the cinema at night and not be a bit worried about anything. It's just, it's unbelievable. Like, 
because I would be used to working till half 10 or 11. So yes. that's great. But um, I think I, I was probably at my happiest between, say, 45 to 50. I was very happy. There's another one. Would you ever think of running for president, Francis? No, never. I'm not interested in politics. And, you know, I look at um, Michael D at the moment and then he comments on things and he's not supposed to, I think, or he does things that he's not supposed to do. But I'm thinking, no, I just would not be able for that position at all. It would, um, and it wouldn't interest me one bit. Thank you for that. Just one more there. Uh, a listener wants to know, what's the biggest change Francis has noticed in the hotel business in his time? God, that's a, quite a wide one there. That's very wide. Well, eat, um, the, the Irish population eat out much more. Like when I was 12 or 14, we didn't eat out. And if you went to eat out, that was an occasion, you know, it mm. might be personal in our a christening or perhaps um, a confirmation. So nowadays, people eat out just like, you know, just eat out on Tuesday night or they'll get it in. I mean, the eat-in market is huge. Yes. Um, in, particularly around Dublin, it's, it's colossal. Like, and, like I have a, a niece, she's 26, Helen, in Dublin, and she's her boyfriend. And they order their food on a Saturday afternoon from a company in Dublin. And it's delivered every single day to their house. Okay, the meal for the night. So they have everything in the box like two breasts of chicken, the gravy, the vegetables prepared and all the rest. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Now, she's a great little cook herself, but she just finds it's great value. She doesn't have to go shopping to the supermarket and it saves her all the time. She comes in and opens the box and she knows it's beef bourguignon or illicit place or whatever it might be mm. that she has ordered that's in the box. But like, that's, like if you had said to me 50 years ago, that would be, I would say, what? What? Well, there <laughs> you are. It's, they all think differently. Yeah. It's changed substantially. It really has. Listen, yeah. I, I'm going to leave it there today. I love the book, Francis Brennan. Age Thanks. is just a number. It's out everywhere at the moment. You'll enjoy it. It covers off a multitude. It's been great catching up with you today. And here's to the next multiple decades in Francis Brennan's life. Thank you, Jerry. He's a tonic that Francis Brennan says a listener by text to us. Don't forget our numbers 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. You can contact us on the show. Now, moving on this afternoon, listen to this. One in four women die from heart disease and stroke. The very same as men. Yet, I have to say, even in my own mind, I, heart disease, heart attacks you more associate with men. Well, you see, that's the reason why the Irish Heart Foundation are running Her Heart Matters campaign throughout the month of September. Because, you see, 80% of premature heart disease and stroke can be prevented. We're going to talk about it the next while ahead of World Heart Day tomorrow in the company of Dr Lisa Brandon, who's consultant cardiologist, and Mary Brady, cardiac rehabilitation clinical nurse specialist, both at Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital. Ladies, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Jerry. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. I'll start with Lisa, please. The, you know, what I said there, uh, Lisa, is, is a fact. You really don't associate, you know, heart disease, heart attacks with women. It's a bias that's in my mind, and I think many others as well. Um, but the, the figures are up there with men. There's been a long kind of perception that women don't have the same risk of heart disease as men. But actually, some of that stems from heart disease occurs later in females because there is the kind of early oestrogen protection. But then after menopause, the risk really escalates. And, you know, after menopause, unfortunately, we see changes in blood pressure and cholesterol control. 
um, and then the risk really increases that unfortunately are at the same risk of heart attack and stroke and it's really important to kind of get that awareness out there and get people knowing that they need to check their risk factor profile. So can you prepare for this in advance? Should you be preparing for this uh, well in advance? So definitely from a diet and lifestyle perspective, um, there's a lot of preventative things we can do without needing medications. Family history is also really important. But if you have a very strong family history of premature, like early heart attacks and early strokes, that really you need to enter screening about 10 years before the index event. So 10 years before the original person had a heart attack or a stroke or that in your family. Um, But from prevention, healthy diet, exercising 30 minutes five times a week, not smoking and keeping your weight down are major things that we all need to be doing. Um, And then really the other risk factors that we can look at with kind of doctors and medical input are blood pressure, cholesterol, diabetes, um, and making sure that you know what your numbers are and if you are in treatment or if there's a likelihood you are in treatment um, and to get those checked with your GP. That's very interesting. So if there is a history in your family on the mother or father's side, what you're saying is, and say the heart attack was in people are having them in their 40s now, 50s or 60s, yeah. come back 10 years earlier and get on this screening programme. Yes, definitely, yeah. How do you, how do you get on to that programme? Well, it's more your GP. Oh, through the GP, OK. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To go in, like, let's say if somebody... And again, unfortunately, we're seeing kind of a change in trends in heart attacks. And heart attacks are actually starting to occur younger in females now. And that, you know, 15, 20% of them are between the age of 45 and 50, which is unusual, you know. That's definitely a change in profile, probably with lifestyle and, you know, sedentary and smoking and things like that. But, um, yeah, to, to start going to your GP at least every five years and getting your cholesterol, blood pressure and sugars checked alongside your kind of BMI and general health profile. Mm. And then obviously if there's an identifiable issue, you may need more regular screening depending on the abnormality. Let's uh, bring your colleague Mary Brady into the conversation. Mary, you're, you're fine there now. You're separated from your colleague. You can hear me. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> good, Mary. good, Mary. Now, you are at the other side of this. You are in rehab, and when people have a heart attack, women have a heart attack, they come to you then uh, and get on the programme there. Just come back to that age profile. What what ages are you seeing? What's the on, the on the lower scale, the youngest, and then up along? Well, I would agree with what Dr. Brandon was saying there, that traditionally we would have seen more an older cohort of women Uh, attending cardiac rehab because, as uh, Dr. Brandon was saying, that um, women traditionally were uh, protected by their uh, reproductive hormones Mm. and we were seeing uh, women present after the menopause. However, in our experience uh, over the last number of years, we are seeing a younger cohort of women. I would say a lot to do or largely to do with lifestyle factors um, you know, uh, you know, a high risk factor profile where uh, there is issues with weight, smoking, high cholesterol, uh, inactivity and high blood pressure. So certainly uh, lifestyle factors are playing a much bigger role. And we are seeing younger women, women in their 40s uh, and early 50s, um, you know, uh, in the last number of years, for sure. 
And when they come to you and go through the programme, is it a... Sure, it must be. It's a real wake-up call for anybody. In general terms, do they then adjust their lifestyles, look at the way they've been living and carry that on beyond when they leave you and go back into normal life, so to speak? Well, that's our aim. Obviously, having a cardiac event in your 40s and even early 50s for men and women Mm. can be a very traumatic event because... We feel that, you know, that they feel that they're in the prime of their lives. You know, for many people, this comes out completely out of the blue. Uh, And so to come to terms with something like this uh, can have a huge impact on people's lives. Um, I would say that often the the fright or the shock of having a heart attack does steer people into a healthy lifestyle. And we all want to live good, long quality, uh, you know, lifestyles. Um, and our our ageing, you know, we have a good population where we age well into our 80s and we want good quality of life for that. And by d- addressing these risk factors such as, uh, you know, cholesterol, blood pressure, weight, uh, you know, making sure to reduce the risk of developing diabetes, all these uh, can help promote uh, a healthy lifestyle and help prevent, and I suppose, in our job in cardiac rehab, we're secondary prevention. Mm. And it's, uh, you know, so all our patients have had a primary cardiac event and our job is to help prevent this coming, you know, or happening again. Pick up that point there, Lisa. You know, you uh, are on the job when a heart attack happens and you have to then, you know, take care of a patient, prescribe drugs or whatever afterwards. It's possible once you, you know, adjust your lifestyle and take the medication to have a long and healthy life and prevent a second occurrence, yes? Yes, absolutely. But I, I do want to say that um, there's a lot of kind of a switch in focus in recent times like it's well recognized in cardiology that women are actually understudied in the clinical trials and often underdiagnosed with their risk factors and with heart disease so all the clinical trials that we do only about 20 percent of the participants are female so you know we don't even have a full grasp but it is well recognized that women often present atypically when they have a heart attack and they are more likely to present with a heart attack later to the hospital than a male. So by atypically, I mean sometimes women can have more severe shortness of breath or have more of an indigestion-like discomfort or, you know, sharp chest pains, whereas a male chest pain is classically heaviness, pressure, discomfort on the chest. So that can often lead to a delay in presentation to hospital. And up on 40% of women with a heart attack wait at at home for 12 hours with their symptoms before seeking medical attention. So if something unusual happens or is out of the ordinary with very non-responsive indigestion, you know, nausea or sickness or shortness of breath, it is important to seek medical attention if you feel it's very unusual for you. Because the quicker you get in to have it treated, the more likely you are to have a better outcome and reduce your risk of complications. Yeah, that's real good advice there. I was looking at the Irish Heart website and this campaign, Her Heart Matters, Lisa, and you touched on some of them a few moments ago. You know, lifestyle it runs right through the advice. And you can actually take a little test if you go on to irishheart.ie to see how you're actually getting on. And I advise people to do that if you're concerned at all. But when I look at all the... Uh, different areas like sleep, me time, switching off, physical activity, the food end of things, that type of thing. 
in a busy life, if you're a mum with children, you know what I'm talking about, of different oh, ages, exactly. and you're trying to work, perhaps, run a house, all that, it's not easy to live by those, uh, you know, yeah. recommendations. Well, well if I, I tell you a secret, I did that quiz myself, and I scored really badly on it. So, did you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I totally hear what you're saying, you know. But equally, it is so important, and, you know, we can say this about lots of things, but it is important to try and find a balance of... Like, I know I was speaking to Mary about this, that women are less likely to attend cardiac rehab because when they go home after their heart attack, they take over the household again. You know what I mean? And they start doing all their work and minding grandchildren. Yes. But it is really important to actually try and separate out some time for you and for your health and for prioritizing that so that you can stay healthy longer and kind of stay around family and, you know, do that minding grandchildren that sometimes, you know, uh, becomes a factor. So... It is definitely important to try and prioritize the time for exercise and me time and prioritizing your, you know, your mental health and your general well-being. Um, but it can be very hard in this day and age. I totally appreciate that. It certainly can. Mary, on the mental health side of things, when you have an incident like this, that's another aspect going forward, isn't it? In, in, in helping people, you know, to cope mentally with what has happened to them. Yes, Jerry, and what I would say is what happens to a lot of people is they lose, lose confidence in themselves. Mm. They lose confidence in their health. Um, and I, I, I suppose that's where cardiac rehab comes back or comes into the picture where we bring the patients into the gym. Um, they get to uh, be able to push themselves in a safe environment. Uh, where they're being, you know, watched constantly. Uh, they have their heart monitors and they're able to push themselves uh, where they're able to, you know, where they know that they are safe. Um, and also, I think, meeting other uh, other patients uh, that have been through a similar uh, situation also helps with that uh, because, you know, they're able to rely on each other. They can hear each other's stories. Uh, they're able to relate to other people's stories. Um, and... They get great comfort with that. But certainly we would see that by the end of the eight weeks, in most of our patients, that they're coming back to their normal routines. They have confidence in their ability to exercise. But I think really importantly that they have confidence in their health uh, and they've confidence in the treatment that they've had and they've confidence in their heart uh, and that their heart and they're able to move on from uh, the episode or the cardiac event and get on with living their life. You know, the cardiac event should not define who they are. It's something that happened to them. And, you know, by addressing the lifestyle factors, uh, and they can move on uh, with a healthier lifestyle. And often the patients are actually a healthier version of themselves after the event than they were prior, even though it was quite a traumatic you know for them mm. um, so the message today is girls uh, you're on a par with men here now uh, when it comes to heart disease and heart attacks and you've got to really take cognizance, cognizance of it and uh, lots of good advice there from uh, the ladies in the hospital today just before you go Lisa I was one of those at 45 myself when it hit me and I went through the rehab there as well wonderful in the hospital and thank God for the drugs that have been keeping me going since I think if I took the test like you I'd be worried. <laughs> and again, just finally, Lisa, the outcome can be positive. Yes. People can do very well after heart events. Yeah. But I would say make an appointment to get your blood pressure, cholesterol and sugars checked if you haven't within the last five years.
Okay, that's the message we want to leave with you today because this campaign is ongoing. Her Heart Matters uh, and you can check it out on irishheart.ie. Listen, thank you both uh, both of you for joining me today. I wish you well in all the work you do and it's been great having a chat about this important matter from a woman's perspective. Thank you to uh, Dr. Lisa Brandon, consultant cardiologist and Mary Brady, cardiac rehabilitation clinical nurse specialist, both at Our Lady of Lourdes. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Thank you both indeed. Thanks, Jerry. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Louise, I, I want to ask you something. Um, mm, that's ominous. <laughs> washing your hair. <laughs> so I know you told us all before, you never wash your hair in the shower. No. Nope. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Still holds. Um, <laughs> what about washing your hair at the sink? Which sink? Are you talking kitchen sink kitchen or bathroom sink? sink? At the kitchen sink. Well, as long as there's no dishes in it to be washed. <laughs> yeah, we'll wash imagine? Your, yeah, we'll wash your hair in the kitchen sink. Coming out with the bits of Weetabix in your hair afterwards. <laughs> um, yes, not personally, but I have gone to get my hair done and in, say, somebody's house years ago and they would have rinsed off my hair in, in the kitchen sink no. or in the sink, as long as it's clean and sterile. Like, you know, you go to... Hairdressers and you wash your hair in a sink. So what way? You don't wash your hair in the shower. So where do you normally wash your hair? At a sink in the bathroom, or do you just take down? They do you wash your hair separately. How, Over how the bath. That? Over the bath. Mm. Grand. That's that's fine. I, I think that's a hundred percent. Or in the bathroom. But it was a thing. I was just thinking about this. Washing your hair in the sink. I mean the main sink where everything happens in the kitchen in mm. the house. Flying down, head under the sink, shampoo in, quick wash, rinse it out as well. Under what would the you tap. rinse it out with? The water from the tap. Yeah, but how'd you get your head right under the tap to oh, rinse it oh, out? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you can. Would you use a jug? Well, you could, a jug or a cup or whatever, but a, a lot of sinks have taps that you get your head in under the tap right. and you run the mix the cold and, and the hot together and it do it does a good job mm. when you get the shampoo and give Off it a good rinse. Off your neck. You might have, said. and you have to stoop down, nearly like Francis Brennan stooping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was just, it, it's something, I saw somebody say it. work better with short hair. Would it? Yeah. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but well, I'd say it'd have to anyway. I just wondered. It, it, it was all, you know, listen, we've, we've come very posh and, you know, we have our bathrooms mm. and we have our showers and everything. But years ago when there wasn't much of that, the, the, the kitchen sink, I'd say, was a place where a lot of people 
wash their mm-hmm. hair, you know, or maybe even wash Outside themselves. Outside the barrel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anybody out there still wash their hair in the kitchen sink? Is it a thing, you know, if you're not having a shower a day and you just, your hair is a bit greasy or that, would you wash your hair in the kitchen sink, the main kitchen sink? Does anyone do that anymore? Would you wash with fairy liquid? <laughs> For hands that do dishes that are soft as can be With mild green fairy liquid In your hair, no! So cheers if you went out in the rain, there'll be bubbles everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, not, not with fairy liquid. No, no okay. Think so. <laughs> no, with shampoo, like with proper shampoo, like in the kitchen sink. <laughs> John wants to know, do Don't I wash my up. hair in the kitchen sink? Well, I would have, John. I would have not, not of late, but in the past for sure. I doubt if there's anyone does it anymore. I'd say it's just n- n- well, no, no. Well, if they did, obviously the sink has to be ser- sterile with no dishes, and they, you know, <laughs> put a bit of bleach no, or I'm whatever. That, yeah, it. a blank, a blank, an empty, you know, sink. There's no dishes. They're in the dishwasher, whatever. You just have your sink in a hurry in the morning. In you go, head under, bang, bang, bang. I wonder, does anyone do that yep. anymore? Does anyone wash their hair in the sink? Please, is there anyone? Oh yes. God, there we go. I wash mine in the sink, says a listener. There you go, it is. It's still a thing that's done. Even if I got one person to tell me, I'm delighted because there is somebody still does it out there. Yeah, I just saw somebody doing it and it crossed my mind. You know me, curiosity Mm. thinking, coming in. I must mention that today. I'd ask the listeners, does anybody else do this? Anybody Uh, wash their babies in in a sink either anymore? Oh, I'd say... Say say, loads. I'd say loads. Yeah. I'd say loads. John's back on to say, I know a man who washes his hair in the washing machine. (laughs) (laughs) John, go out of that. Pull the other one. Are you joking me? (laughs) Anyway, you're at Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. And after the break, I'm so looking forward to having a chat with June and Ray Murphy. They're a local couple who make beautiful olive oil in Spain. Let me tell you a little story. June and Ray Murphy, they're from Carnaross in County Mead. They've been living over there for over 20 years now. Grand, and they're quite happy there, but they produce wonderful olive oil. In Carnaross, you say? No, not in Carnaross, in Spain. What's the story? Ray is on the line to tell me more. Afternoon, Ray. Afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks for taking our call today because I know you're out of the country at the minute. Listen, this is a, a wonderful story. How do we marry Carnaross with Granada and Andalusia in Spain? How did this happen? Yeah, well, I, I suppose look, it came about um, shortly after we moved to Ross and got married. Um, we toured Spain for a month on our honeymoon. And uh, we toured inland Spain and kind of really fell in love with it. And kind of when we got back then, we kind of decided, like, uh, maybe we might look uh, look at a place. Now, originally we were thinking, yeah, maybe something in a town, but um, we fell across this ruin. I'm not sure if you've seen the pictures. Um, I have, I have, yeah. Thank you, yeah. And, uh, yeah, most people say how you fell in love with that. We don't know. It's a kind of a, a bit of a moment of madness. But we did, and um, and we bought it and kept, you know, probably bit by bit we were, you know, going over, doing up, you know, maybe painting the wall, maybe, you know, getting a little bit done, getting something fixed. And, and that's been going on for, like, we didn't think it would take, you know, almost 18 years, but we're still at it. Uh, oh, well. Yeah, well, what about it? You have all your life to do it as well. So it was exactly, roughly exactly. 2004, 2005, you bought the place over there and you've been tipping yeah. away at it since with a lot of helpers. I, I know you've been telling me this from locals there as well. You've been welcomed yeah. to the area really warmly. But what, what, what about the olives? How did the olives come into the picture? Was there an olive grove there? 
Yeah, so the, the house, when, when, when we bought the house, we knew there was land with us. Um, we, got, um, we got it surveyed and then found out there was actually more land with it. So we've about um, 500 olive trees or so. Uh, not all are producing, so we had to get them. They had all been overgrown, not producing olives at all. So we originally got um, the first grove kind of around the house um, all cut back. It took a couple of years for those to come about. Mm. So, look, they were there. Um, it wasn't our intention to, to make olive oil or even do anything with them, but, um, you know, it's kind of a, a sin to leave them sitting on the tree and fall off. So uh, with the locals, they give us a hand. We go and help on their growth. They'd hold, uh, uh, help on our growth. We bring them up. We get them pressed. At the time, they were taken back to Royal. We were just, I think, we were just selling the olives because, you know, we had no interest in, in, in bringing back the oil or doing anything, anything with it. So, But at that stage, I think it was something like 46 cents a kilo we were getting uh, from, the, from the mill. So you had... Then a couple of days backbreaking work for sort of very little money. So uh, yeah. they, they had said to us, "Look, you're, you're better off bringing if you can get a, a market for your oil." Bring it back. So we, we initially started bringing it back to his family and friends, and uh, eventually we, we got in touch with some of the markets, um, Mellon Market and Holland um, Market. And so we're there probably every once a month or every two weeks, uh, kind of during the summertime. We harvest at the end of uh, November onwards, so we kind of go back for the harvest. So, so it just kind of grew from there. So we're still, like, all the trees are still dip by bit, getting more trees back and producing. Now, the last two years have been bad years with the heat, but that's, that's uh, part and parcel of it. Mm. So you need moisture combined with heat to uh, produce a bumper crop. With the lack of moisture, you're still getting a crop. I understand that. It's less. When do you harvest? What time of the year? So from for, for where we are, and uh, we're up pretty high, um, it's probably from the end of November into December. Um, perhaps before we get any high winds because at that stage you have the olive it's it's, it's full of uh, oil hopefully it's a nice big fat olive uh, the worst thing that happens then you get, a, you get a bit of bad weather storm you're going to knock some off the ground and that's it once they hit the ground that's it but the harvest is a kind of pretty rapid process because as you're and we, we do it all by hand so it's, it's nets stretched out under the trees sticks hitting them down so we'd have a crew down trying to get it up because as soon as you start putting them into sacks or into trailers the bottom ones are already getting squashed and yeah. you're losing oil so it's a race then to get it down, get them up to uh, the mill and get them pressed. So you get them pressed there locally. Do you bottle yeah. you bottle your oil there as well, I take it? Yes, so we're part of um, a cooperative there as um, uh, organic co-op. So what some people do, some people, we have choice. So we can either get all our oil bottled and stored and then, or sorry, you can get it pressed and stored and then we bottle it as, as we need throughout the year or, you know, they'll buy, we can either sell them the olives or we can sell them the oil. So, yeah. um, at the moment, we 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 bottle and bring it down. Now, uh, like there's been such a such a, a bad season last year and this year that that Spain is uh, their olive oil storage is well down. So uh, you've probably seen prices going up like if it, in your local supermarket along with everything else. But olive oil has really shot up alongside with um, the issues in in Ukraine and the uh, sunflower oil being an issue there. So olive oil has really kind of come to the fore. But with that now, there's a, a massive supply and demand issue. Mm. And I'd say next year now is, is something similar. So how many litres would you produce from your olive grove? So at the moment, on a good year, we're probably talking maybe a 1,000 or 1,100 litres. That'd be it. Mm. Um, we'd like to get, you know, with all the trees in full production. And if you had, um, you know, like we're totally dependent at the moment on, on the weather. So like the rain fed, if we don't get uh, any type of um, wet weather at all, uh, like this year probably... We're down to probably around 700 litres uh, mm. is what we're looking at for, for mm. next year's harvest. So, um, But um, 
yeah, about, yeah, good year about a thousand. We hope we hope to to grow that. But to say that it's fully organic and extra virgin olive oil, it's it, it's wonderful, wonderful qual- quality. So what you do is you you bottle and you bring those bottles then to Ireland and you sell them out through the various outlets. Uh, some of them you mentioned there as well. Yeah, yeah, um, a few local ones. So you have Swainstown Farm, uh, and you'd have Bio Coffee, you'd have uh, Muttonhead Butchery on Slane. There, a few of the local ones. Um, but, uh, yeah, and mainly our, our main sources is to the markets, which is Clonmelon and Collinstone, and um, we do once a month in Scaries as well. Okay. Uh, they, they, that'd be our main outlet for it. So, like, the markets we prefer, because you can get you can get to talk to people, you can tell them about the products and show them a few pictures of where we are, what we're doing. Um, it's, a, it's a great way to kind of uh, meet your customers and get, to get, the, get the story across. Mm, so uh, you have a nice little sideline here from that rune, as you said, that no one had looked twice at. Look what's developed <laughs> from it. Your olive oil producers now, your, yourself yeah. and June. And, and it is of lovely quality. I've heard people who've picked it up. They really, really do love it. How do you split your time between Carna Ross and uh, Andalusia? Yeah, so for the, for the most part, um, kind of summer months we're here. So kind of harvest, we try and always get there for a harvest. So that's kind of from end of November, start of December, as I said. So we'd be there probably till uh, maybe mid-January, maybe the end of January, if we can stretch it. Now, lucky enough, um, our employers here are very good to us, so they, they allow us time off to do that. Um, and then kind of springtime, we'd be over again. So we're, we're roughly probably 70% Ireland, 30% um, in Granada and Spain. But... Um, Probably, you know, maybe the start of kind of springtime, we go over a bit of um, bit of cleaning around the trees, a bit of weed and stuff like that. But we have a very good guy who's kind of taking us under his wing and uh, he really does a lot for us and, and shows us where we're going wrong, mm. don't we? Mm. But uh, really, the trees do it all themselves. Once you prune them back and they come back, they produce the olives. There's not a, a lot of other care they no. need. No, exactly. They're, and like they're, they're an ancient, ancient tree. I think... Um, ours are probably over 200 years old and um, there is one in the locality they tell us are probably up on 800 not more wow um, massive massive big olive trees but uh, they don't know the, like just the weed the weeding couldn't have you know with pruning is, is essential really for us uh, after that then you're just yeah you're dependent on the weather mm. Um, your place you mentioned there earlier on to me that it's uh, higher up how do you fare out then weather wise well when, with the dry weather I'm sure there's no issue going about your business but if you got heavy rainfall how would you be fixed heavy rainfall we, uh, we're we down at the house we could be looking at you know maybe a day or two not being able to get out um, they had, they did resurface track a while ago but the last 200 metres is kind of you know it turns to mud it's this sticky mud it's, it's and it's kind of on a on the side of a, a, a pretty steep cliff so um, we're just set up that we you know we know if we're getting wet weather we're down for a couple of days so we'd mm. be fully stocked up um, look if you ha- it's only two kilometres you know up out of the valley if you had to walk it you'd do it we have done it before yeah, we got we we were at a, um, our neighbour's wedding over there one year, and we had the don wellies with the with the suits and the and the and the dresses, and, and up we went. Um, but we we get we could get minus seven, minus eight. We get snow. We can get any type of weather. You know, it's uh, mm. it, it, it. I won't say as much as I home. Like you're probably talking you for three hundred and twenty or three hundred thirty days, you're getting sunshine. Yeah. Um, but but the days when it particularly lately. Um, we we get we seem to get a lot of storms, mm. um, and when they when they come, they hit heavy and they will cause a lot of damage. They wash the, the soil away from the trees, they wash the track away, that type of stuff. But look, that's that's we 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 knew that when we were when we were buying, when you were getting into it, wasn't a, a surprise to us. Yes, yes, yes. I'd say it's wonderfully beautiful with the mountains and the valleys. I can even nearly picture it as you describe it there. 
Yeah, it is. It's it's stunning. Uh, it, it really is. Like yeah, every time, it, it, it's even hard to focus every time you go and just have a look around. There's so much with mountains, trees. Uh, we're beside lakes, and there's a national park beside us. It's it's really really nice. And our local village, um, it's about seven k. Castrile is uh, uh, high on the tourist um, trail for you know, the, the white villages of Spain. So you get a lot of tourism uh, and a lot of hiking as well during mm. the, the, the cooler months. But yeah, it is it is stunning. Yeah. What's your olive oil brand name? So it's La Castrolania, which is the, uh, so Castrile is the village, and roughly translated would be the, 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 the little castrile, the castrile, really. You see, it, there's a picture on the front of the bottle, so. Yeah. Um, and that is that is the co-op of which we, we, the organic co-op we signed up with. Great stuff. It's a wonderful story, I have to say, the way you came across the place uh, after uh, yeah, your, uh, yeah. you know, your honeymoon. How, how did we come across it? We, we don't know. We've seen something on internet. We had a look around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've seen, as, as you've seen the picture of what it was, and, and anyone who goes onto our Instagram page will, will find the picture there of it as well. It's, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I still don't know what to say. What, 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 what we thought about it, what we just said, that, that's the one for us. Oh, uh, good on you. It's a, it's a lovely story. It really is. And, you know, it just happened and it was meant to be. And here you are, olive yeah, oil producers, yeah. wonderful olive oil as yeah. well. And you have the best of both worlds, Ireland and Andalusia in true, Spain true, as yeah. well. You really have. And yeah, listen, lovely, lovely. great to catch up with you today. I, I know you're out of the country. I mean, I thank you for taking the call and telling us your wee story. And best wishes to you. Thank you very much, Jerry. Cheers. Thanks for joining me on the show. Take care of yourself. That's uh, Ray Murphy there, who, along with his wife, June, produced that wonderful olive oil that you can pick up. He mentioned that Bio Coffee in Dalik have it. Muttonhead Butchers in Slane. Swainstown Farm, Kilmesson. Hugh Maguire in Ashburn has it too. Bacon Roll in Kells and Cult Zero in Trim and those markets as well that he mentioned in Clonmelon and Collinstown. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Still to come on the show, my top five countdown, the number two. It's a cracker. And we're going to hear about the Harry Taft Community Recovery Fund a little bit later on to Martin Connolly uh, joining us from the Dock Football Club and Emma Hunt Duffy from Fife. Stay with us on your Late Lunch. Our Danny, we call him our Danny, don't we Louise? Yeah. Our Danny McAvoy was on to say that everything revolved round the sink uh, in most of his life and he remembered Remembers his mother bathing them in the sink way back as well. It was. It was the, the centre, the fulcrum of the house. Great to hear from you, Danny. Hope you're keeping well. Many of the messages there. Let's pick a couple of them out here. Uh, I wash mine in a water barrel outside the back door, Louise. Oh, yeah. Rainwater. Mm. There's somebody actually still does that today. Here's another one. Uh, Jerry, my mother used to bathe us in the kitchen sink as babies and no one died. The only <laughs> place in the house it was, Jerry, that had hot water. Well said there. Uh, The morning I got married, says Betty, I washed my long hair in the rainwater barrel. And Jerry, guess what? We were 54 years married yesterday. Congratulations, Betty. And she remembers that so well. There's another one from a listener. Yes, I wash my hair with rainwater with a basin only for my hair in the sink, says Anne in Dunsany Day. So Anne has the basin, Louise, in the sink with the rainwater in it. People, you may have heard that in the past. Something different about washing your hair with rainwater. It's, is it yeah, soft I just or? remember growing, I don't know, but I remember my uncle Paul and a load of people had this big barrel outside and gathered the rainwater. 
and I often wash their hair. Yeah, and there other you things. go. I don't know. I think I remember. Maybe there's no hardness in them. There's yeah, no I think lime scale, is yeah, it? Yeah, I think there's something about a softness in the rainwater that you don't have when it goes through the ground. You're right. Oh, you're very clever. Yes, yes, through the ground and it has to take in all from the rock formations, etc. Yeah, that is true and it's not processed either. It's just falling from the sky. Interesting, isn't it? The rainwater. No fairy liquid, by the way. No, no mention of fairy one. liquid. You're the only one. <laughs> Never washed your hair in fairy liquid, did you? <laughs> No, although if you do think about it, like it fairly strips off the grease of, uh, you know, frying pan. <laughs> what would it do to your head? Warning, warning, don't use fairy liquid on your head. We are telling you on late lunch today, you'd never know what would happen. Blowing anyway. bubbles from your head. <laughs> yes, if you went out in the rain, then bubbles would be coming everywhere, left, right and centre. Coming up after three on your late lunch, number two in top five countdown and the Harry Taff Community Recovery Fund. But taking us up now towards top of the hour at three, it's Berlin. And I'll tell you one thing, if you put the fairy liquid into your hair, <laughs> I'd say it'd go a long way to taking your breath away. Francis Brennan was with me top of the show. Age is just a number is his new book. I really like it. Anyway, the question of the day was for the book, the Park Hotel is synonymous with in which town is the Park Hotel where Francis was the owner at one stage, co-owner Ken Mayer, I was looking for and the book today is going to Marie Carlin. Well done to you, Marie. We'll be in touch and thanks to everybody who got it right. God, it's amazing. I just mentioned washing the hair at the sink, what it can stir up out there in late lunch land. Anne Murray. Hello, Anne. She's in that boy today. Sent us a lovely message. She told me that she... And tells me that she washes her hair with lemon fairy liquid. She's also used red life boy soap, but all in conjunction with rainwater. And on the rainwater theme, Paula says, no conditioner needed, Jerry, when you use rainwater. A gentleman has messaged me about the washing of the hair in the sink. Thanks to Matty and RD. Jerry, I often wash my hair in the kitchen sink. I bathe both of my children. In the sink as well. It was their bath. Using fairy liquid every two or three months will strip the grease and chemicals from your hair. But do make sure to use shampoo and conditioner afterwards, says Matty to me today on the show. Good to hear from you, Jackie. Jerry, we're still here after your prediction on Storm Agnes. Yes, I feel like Michael Fish in reverse today, although it was quite fierce for a while. Jerry, whoever thought of naming these weather events have made a mistake. The more times they warn about them, uh, we don't get them as bad as they predict. People will ignore them, just like a house alarm that goes off. They hear it first but then ignored. Good point, Jackie. Well made indeed. And another one there says, I do wash my hair on and off with rainwater, Jerry. No name on that one there, but there you go. Rainwater seems to be gaining traction for hair care on late lunch and in late lunch land. Uh, let's spin this now on the show. Five, four, three, two, Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The number two from this very week in 1983. And I love this one. It was originally recorded by Mr. Neil Diamond in 1967. It was a type of ballad at that stage. But today... It's UB40. Yes, you know what I'm talking about. The song is Red Red Wine. Went to number one in the UK for them. And they made it their own. Yes, it's the two from this week in 83. 
Yes, the number two from this week in 1983. It's the wonderful UB40 and Red Red Wine. Cracking song, isn't it? Timeless, it really, really is. And you know, Neil Diamond uh, always says that that cover of his song is one of the favourite covers of any of his music that anybody has ever done. I think that's a great tribute to the UB40 version of Red Red Wine. The number one on your way from 83 this week, tomorrow on Late Lunch, round about this time. Final break of the day on the way. And when we come back, we're going to hear about the Harry Taff Community Recovery Fund. The final loud derby of the season in the League of Ireland takes place at Oriel Park tomorrow evening where Dundalk face neighbours Drogheda United and we're heading to Dundalk Football Club now uh, to finish off the show today. I'm joined on the line by Martin Connolly, the CEO, and Emma Hunt-Duffy, Head of Marketing with Fives. Afternoon, everybody. Hi, Jerry. I think... Thanks for joining me, both of you. Martin, uh, the Harry Taft Community Recovery Fund uh, is uh, available to be applied for up until tomorrow evening at five o'clock. Who was Harry Taft, uh, Martin, and what's the fund all about? Well, well, Jerry, as as you know, um, uh, Harry was a a, a valued volunteer of this football club for years and years, gave up his time to... um, oversee a number of roles within the club security groundsman um, fundraiser or anything you could uh, mention Harry Dennis for, for a number of years uh, unfortunately he, he passed away in um, July 2020 um, to suicide and ever since then we we, 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 uh, we always wanted to honour Harry's name and, and we did last year when we when we um, formed the Dundalk FC Harry Taft Mental Health and Wellbeing Programme and part of that was the the recovery funds which we which we set up, um, and basically it was to um, facilitate people with self experience of mental health challenges and to achieve some aim. Which we have a fund there, and we want people to apply for some funding, so which maybe to help them through their challenges, their mental health challenges, and and, and we feel that's a, a great way to honour Harry and his name. You know, it certainly is. Who is it open to, Martin? Who can apply for this? How do they apply for it? Well, anybody who's had mental health challenges and, and who feel that, you know, um, taking part in an educational course or contributing towards uh, an artistic project or, you know, even some sort of recreational activity, if, if they need funding for it, um, Jerry, if they apply to us, um, we, we'll have a look at their application. And if we feel it, it's, it's fills up, ticks all the boxes for us and that they can benefit from it. Um, we'll give them some funding towards it. I really like this, I have to say. Uh, let's bring in Emma Hunt, Duffy, Head of Marketing with Fives. Uh, why are Fives involved? Why are Fives backing this, Emma? Um, yeah, well, look, I'm, as you know, and hopefully a lot of your listeners know, we've been involved with Dundalk FC for decades now. Fives was originally a family business set up by the McCann's in Dundalk, and it's obviously now much bigger and more global, but we like to still give back to the communities, I suppose, where we live and work. And down through the years, I know Martin well um, through our partnership. You know, we've looked at Kids Club. We've been the the main jersey uh, sponsor. We've done um, activities with Temple Street. Lots and lots of initiatives. But I think when Martin came to me with this idea, um, you know, we just knew it was the right thing to do. Personally, I I knew Harry. Now, obviously not as well as Martin. I know he was great friends. Um, But to me, he was always the lovable rogue. And he always had a smile on his face. And, you know, he always went the extra mile in everything he did. So when this suggestion was put forward, um, the mental health and well-being program in his name, there was a few different elements. So we've had a series of safe talk workshops 
um, and we'll continue to do that into next year as well. And that's where Derek Pepper, who has worked in the mental health sector for many years, comes and talks to anybody who wants to come um, around, you know, recognising signs of people who might be having suicidal thoughts and getting them help. Um, we, we, you know, we do the, the Green Ribbon, which is a mental health initiative um, and collections for that around this time of year as well. But this particular aspect of the partnership, um, so the recovery fund, to me, is, is really good because it, it's, you're, you're helping individuals and it's not faceless, you know, it's people who are going to use that money. Um, as, as Martin said, it could be towards an educational course or even if they wanted to join a gym or if they needed some equipment for an artistic or, an, a, a, you know, a recreation activity. The money is there. Anything that's going to help them, you know, overcome and just feel better and get on in life. Um, so we want as many people as possible to apply. It's really simple. If they go on to dumdogfc.com and you'll find the Harry Taft page there. The application form is there. They can type it out and email it. Or if they don't have access to email, just pop it up, up to um, Ailish up in the club and get a physical form. Well said. Really, really well said, I, I have to say. Martin, you knew him well and he was a great guy. You mentioned some of the things he did there in, in Dundalk. He also did a, a lot of videography for the great Stephen Kenny and that wonderful area you had there, didn't he? Oh, listen, Jerry. We, we, you can devote a programme to, to, to stories about Harry Tapp and, and, and things that he done and... and uh, you know, I know that I know the name legend or the word legend to be used too freely at times. But Harry for, for, and Dundalk Football Club was is one of the legends and non-footballing legends. Um, you know, we we talk about all ex-players now, but Harry really um, went beyond the call of duty for 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 not only Stephen Kenny but for everybody. And 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 as I say, <laughs> probably some of the stories I couldn't uh, recall on 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 the. Uh, at this time of day, but really, yeah. Jerry, he was a character, and we all rem- we all remember him uh, fondly. You know, I think it's fitting that you do this, and that his name will always be associated with it. And in passing, Harry's uh, legacy uh, goes on, and his help for others will be really, really welcomed by people who are granted uh, the these awards. So, open to anybody to apply. Tomorrow is is the uh, five o'clock is the deadline, Martin. Yeah, we want as many people to apply. Um, and as, as Emma said, there you can go on the website and, and apply for that. Or if you come up to the office, there, there are applications in the office, and um, full confidentiality. Nobody has to worry about anything. So we let um, that we, everybody's welcome to apply. You know. Yeah, and there's a grant there up to five hundred euros, a substantial amount of money uh, for you to be had there. Don't uh, lose time here. Tomorrow is the closing uh, date at five o'clock. Uh, Dundalkfc.com. You can get on there. The information information is all there as well if you want to put your application in through that channel well done to Fife's Emma in backing this oh no we're delighted to be part of it uh, it's great that you are and you've always been great supporters of the football club uh, thank you both for joining me today and Martin the last derby tomorrow night uh, draw our due a twist uh, well, I hope not, Jerry. Um, you know, um, uh, Drada being Drada in the headlines at the moment um, with their investment and the best of luck to them. And we welcome everybody from Drada up tomorrow night. But hopefully, we're on the end of, uh, <laughs> of a win. And three points, yeah. Anyway, I'll, we'll leave it at that for today. We'll agree to differ as usual on on the football side only. We have to say, and it is sport and it is football. And go tomorrow night, everybody, and enjoy the final derby of the season. Fill the ground there tomorrow evening. Thank you both for joining me on the show.
Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Thank Thank Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. That's uh, Martin Conley there, CEO of Dundalk Football Club and Emma Hunt Duffy, Head of Marketing with Fives. That's a lot on late lunch this Thursday afternoon. Back for the final show tomorrow, Friday at 1.30. Eddie Caffrey's on his way uh, with the drive. Stay with us here on LMFM Radio. And we leave you in the company of Joel Corey. And is it Ella Henderson? Well, we'll have a go with that anyway. Here we go. See you tomorrow. Would I be the first one you would die? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.